0: To another Hopefield message from life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. This morning, I don't feel in a sense that I've got a message where it's going to be some big motivational, you know, like charismatic. It's I might find myself stationary here quite a bit in regards to trying to get through everything there is to get through, but understand this we're never going to get through all of it within a, a couple of meetings. Church should never be the entirety of what we understand in God's Word. A service from what we get from somebody else's mouth should not be all that we hear in regards to the revelation God has. He wants to download to you personally. He wants to speak to you. He wants to unveil things to you and I as we go after it ourselves. And so I encourage you in this topic to, uh, to really look into it. If you don't know too much about it, it's an incredibly amazing, mind-blowing uh, perspective, the wonder of eternity. And this morning, uh, I'm going to talk about the reality of heaven and also about some of the reality of hell. And so it's not going to be the easiest message to share, but at the same time, parts of it are going to be the greatest message ever to share. And so are you up for it this morning? Awesome. Well, let's let's talk about eternity. What's awesome, I think, about eternity and an incredible story that uh, we are a part of being Australians is that actually across all of um, Sydney, For decades, the word eternity, you may know of this story, but the word eternity was written at different locations on the pavement, and no one knew where it came from or who wrote it. But a man by the name of Arthur Stace would wake at 4am and he would pray and ask God, where should he go to write this word down? And simply yet significantly, he would waken and awaken people's hearts and their minds to the thought of eternity. What happens next? In 1930, um, sorry, after having done it for 19 years, some people found out who it was and they started to learn of his story, how he grew up as a foster child facing many challenges. Serving in the war, he came back a broken man, as did many. In 1930, he walked into a church service as a drunkard, man, as a criminal and as a derelict. 45 years of age, he gave his life to Christ who radically changed his world. 2 years later as he's sitting in a service where John Ridley preached on eternity he said in his message oh that i could shelter all of sydney and let them know the word eternity Arthur having been in that message got up and walked out put his hand in his pocket to find a piece of chalk in that moment felt like god said to him declare the word eternity And he went for 35 years, writing every day in different pockets of every suburb, the word eternity. He became well-known, and he actually became well-known as the man called Mr. Eternity. Long after his death, on the turn of the millennium, the year 2000, New Year's Eve, you may remember if you think back to it, but there on the Sydney Harbour Bridge at the strike of midnight, because of this man with one piece of chalk and a word from God. What was declared to the nation and to the globe was the wonder of eternity that was put up in lights for all to see. Eternity. There's something about that word when you hear it that does something in your life, doesn't it? The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes 3, he says, he has made everything beautiful in its time and he has also set eternity... In the heart, I'm sorry, in every human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. See, the time that we live is only momentary, but eternity is forever. Eternity, there is no limitation, no unending of time. Time has no application. I don't know about you, but there is times when I think of eternity and literally I somewhat get overwhelmed. I get a little bit like queaky at the knees. (laughs) <laughs> Quiki. <laughs> Quiki. at the knees. <sighs> but think about it like this. Having been in eternity for a thousand centuries, the reality is, is that not even one moment has been taken from the rest of your eternity. It's a huge concept. For what we do with this time in our limited time, though, determines where we will go for eternity. The Bible says that life is but a breath. You know, when you see people with signs that say, the kingdom is nigh, the kingdom is nigh, the end is near, the end is near. People go, oh, is God going to come back? I think it's just a continual awakening of the reality that, hey, your life is a vapour. My life is a vapour. What I do with it counts. It counts not just for now, but it counts for all of eternity. It counts. And from the very start of Jesus' message, his whole message was about the wonder of people discovering a life in Christ, a belief and a hope in Christ that we would have an assurance of our eternity in our heavenly realm with God. I love this, and it's a fundamental scripture that we all know, or many of us know, if you're here for the first time, sorry to assume that you would know this, but hear it, it is such a good scripture. John three sixteen says, "'For God so loved the world.'" Hear this, He loves us, that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him, come on, what a hope-filled message that is, whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Matthew 4, 17, one of the first messages that Jesus began to preach was, repent, get right with me, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And see, the thing is, is that we don't sometimes want to talk about this too much because the reality is, is that yes, there is heaven, but there is also hell. There is a consequence for rejecting the offer that God gives us. See, the thing is, is that Jesus is a gift. What an incredible gift that God gave His Son, Jesus, to make us right with Him. But not everybody will accept that gift. The gift will be presented to every human heart. Why? Because eternity is in the heart of every person. But many will choose to reject the gift. Many will choose to know about it, but not open it and not discover it. And can I tell you that God is not looking for reasons or ways for people not to know him. He is simply trying everything possible for us to know the wonder of his love, to know a life that is not lost, to know a life that is not marred by brokenness and there is no hope for your future, but that we would all live in hope and the wonder that come on. I may be here for a short time. But my God is with me and I'll be with him for a long time. <laughs> See, what we need to know is even though this life is temporary, what we believe and what we do on earth determines where we will spend eternity and what eternity will look like. See, when we talk about this and we understand the reality, okay, there's heaven and there's in God's presence, it's great, but there's also hell, that's not good. People ask the question, well, how could a loving God send people to hell? That is not a right question. That is a trick question that the enemy has tried to throw on and mar the God that we know. He's trying to make it out like God will send you there. God doesn't send anybody to hell. Do you know that hell was never created for one human being? It was never created for a human soul. It was only ever created for the devil and his angels who willingly rejected God in the heavenly realms. Think about it. He had, the devil had, had no reason, no reason to deny God, no reason to rebel. He wasn't a, 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 an unjust father. He wasn't cruel. He wasn't abusive. He wasn't manipulative. He wasn't there trying to task mask. It was the wonder of joy, the wonder of peace. Yet in his heart was this desire to take of God and be God himself. Can I tell you that our desire to be in control and try and be Lord of ourselves will only lend ourselves to a place of brokenness and disconnection. We need to lend ourselves to the reality that we are just more. We are like we're not immortal. We're mortal. We are just human beings created in his image to be in relationship with him, not to try and be him. God does not send people to hell. And see, the truth of it is, is any relationship has to have free will. And one of the gifts God gave us was free will. That he didn't make anybody. He's not going to force you. You may be here and you don't believe this. He's not going to make you believe him. But I tell you, I'll be pleading with you before the end out. To say, come on, would you open your heart and give your life to Jesus? What have you got to lose? I'll tell you what you got to lose. You got to lose hopelessness. You've got to lose the weight of sin. You've got to lose the weight of separation. You've got to lose the weight of guilt and shame. You've got all of that to lose and a life to find that is in him. Don't let the enemies fall from grace. Be the thing that tries to rob you of your race. Matthew 25, 41, if you want proof of the said then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Not prepared for you, <laughs> prepared for the devil. Hear it, it's a scripturally based. I'm not just trying to make God sound all great because he's great. No, he is great and his word is proven to be true. But yet at the same time, it's great to know that God created heaven for people. John 14:1 to 3 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would not have told you. Sorry, if it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Come on, he's preparing a place for you and I. Matthew 25, 35, 34 says, Then the King will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Come on, from the very beginning, from the very beginning, he always desired for us to be with him in heaven. From the very beginning, all he wanted was us to be connected with him without any restriction. And he has always planned for us to live in relationship with you and I forever. Now, we don't talk a whole lot about hell. And I can understand that. Because I find it hard to talk about it, not because I want to deny that it's reality, but because the, the truth of it is, it is a harrowing thought. It is absolutely overwhelming to think of the reality of that. But the truth is, as well, is that Jesus actually spoke more on hell than he did on heaven. Which I think we could, knowing that he's a loving God, could could confidently assume or calculate that he would have spoken it on this many times 33 times, which is about once a month in his three year ministry. Who wants to go to that church? <laughs> he spoke on this because obviously he did not want people to go there. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't want he, he needed to ensure that people knew the full reality. And he did not want people to go there. The Bible itself talks about how 167 times. And see, as we know, that Jesus came. Because of the love of God, so that whoever would believe in him, come on, would not live condemned, but that we would be saved through him. The truth of it is, is that the enemy has hijacked the understanding of what eternity looks like. Is it not true that he has sold the lie that hell is a great party? Oh, mate, you know, it's going to be a party. It's going to be amazing. It's just going to be a free for all. We're just going to like, you know, me and my mates, like... he. He sold it out to be this cool, vibrant, real, like, just awesome place. And people willingly accept that that would be their destiny. I don't know if you, but not for me. I'm not going up there, mate. I'm going down there. I'm going to hell. People willingly accept that. How broken is that perspective that someone would think that that's a good, viable option? And he sold the lie that heaven is just a place where everyone floats around on clouds playing harps and having to endure probably the worst Sunday service you've ever been in your life. Over and over and over and over, you know, with sister, you know, Gertrude on the keys. Like, I don't know, like, just... I used to think of it like that. Oh, man, it's just going to be singing over and over and over. I mean, we already sing some songs over and over. I don't know if I can handle any more of this. Over. But this is a lie. The Bible describes hell as a place of total torment. It's a lost eternity. Luke 16, I don't have the time to read it all, but 19 to 31, I encourage you to read it. But it talks about the fact, and it mentions many times, that hell is a place of torment. It is not a place of fun nor celebration. In the Greek, the word torment means acute pain and disease, an everlasting, continual pain. It's like being on a rack of torture where you are persecuted. Hell is a place of fire. It's like a furnace, a flame. 19 times Jesus himself returns, re, re, um, describes it as a place of heat and fire and flame. Don't fall victim to the modern day idealism that hell isn't actually a literal place. Do not fall victim to that. In the US, 54% of, percent of Presbyterians don't believe in a literal hell. Do not fall victim to that. Do not go down that path. Do not think of that. as if Now, this is how clear we got. To, if hell's not real, then neither is heaven. You can't believe in heaven but not believe in hell. And if heaven's not real and hell's not real, then the Bible's not real. And therefore, God's not real. And what are we all doing here? <laughs> like, seriously, what are we all doing here? Don't fall down to that. Yes, we live in a day and age where we don't want anyone to lose. Zion's rugby league apparently is maybe next year going to the age of 13 before they score a winner or a loser. Let them lose. We need to learn what it is to lose. We need to feel the weight of that doesn't feel good. I've lost. I'm, I'm without. I need to change so I can get better, so I can change my approach. I tell you, I'm coaching next year and I'll be keeping score. I'll be keeping score. We need to know the the reality. There is loss. It just doesn't work out for everybody. Do whatever you want. He's a loving God. He'll accept you, anyone. He'll accept anyone in any way. But we have a moment of time that dictates the end of time. We cannot ignore it just because it doesn't sound nice. See, there's two things that we need mentally to stay stable. And much of what I'm, I'm speaking on is... I've done some research obviously and and spent some good hours into this but also Pastor Robert Morris um, is an awesome pastor a friend of life and a great theologian and he's got a great series on this I really encourage you if you've got time to listen to the messages but he talks about this there are two things that keep us mentally stable light and something solid to hold on to it keeps us mentally stable in hell in hell There is no light. It is utter darkness. Blackness, pitch black. Not like a little bit, oh, there's a little bit of something. No, no, there's nothing. It's pitch black. You will never see another person. I'll be hanging with my mates. You will not be hanging with anyone. There are no solids. Revelation 9, 11, 17, and 20 all give reference to this. It is a bottomless pit. You cannot stand. You cannot sit. You cannot hold on to something. There will be... Mental torment. To stay emotionally stable, we need rest and hope. There will be no rest. Revelations 14 says of this. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest, neither day nor night. There's no rest, and there is no hope. There's no hope of a second chance. There's accounts in the Bible where... They talk of could, if, if he could just give me dip his finger and just help me, just like, just go tell no. Once it's done, it's done. We need to hold this moment we have with utter reverence and utter significance. For time, I can't keep going into the detail, and please tell me, I'm not trying to scare people. If you're listening to this online, I am not trying to put fear in your heart. I love the analogy, Robert. He said, I feel like somewhat of a doctor giving you the facts about a fatal disease that will result in death. If we don't take the cure. And the good news is, there is a cure. And the cure works 100% of the time, every single time. And his name is Jesus. He is the antidote, once and for all, for one and all. That is the great news. We need to know what danger we're in. But we need to know even more. Hey, there's an antidote. There's a solution. No one, don't hear all that and go, what do I do next? Believe in me. The Bible says, whoever believes in me shall not perish, but have the everlasting life. For everyone who believes, heaven is your home. There is good news. Heaven is your home. And understand this, nobody knows when, Jesus is going to return. Don't trust the crazy internet stories. Don't trust the calculation of that number and that number and then that and then that and then that is going to be. Here. He's going to be here on the twenty sixth. He's going to be here on the twenty sixth. And don't trust it. Nobody knows. Both Matthew twenty four thirty six and Mark thirteen thirty two declares this. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even listen the angels in heaven, nor the sun. But only the Father. Nobody knows. Oh, it's going to happen. Nobody knows. But he does say it's going to come like a thief in the night. So be ready. Be in relationship. Hold reverence. Hold awe. The relationship, the connection you have with God. Don't get flippant. Don't get blasé. Don't get relaxed. I love this. Revelations 21, 1 to 5. Describing heaven. It says now, sorry, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. That I'm try, trying to believe that there's still gonna be surf though. Like just like you know how there's like wave pools and stuff. Can we have one of those up there? Just something. Um, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of the heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, "Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. And he will live with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God." How awesome is that? We're going to be with God. <laughs> not just like talking of him and singing. He's, we're going to be with him, right? Like with him, like past the drumstick. God, like this is with him. Like this is amazing. He will wipe every tear. Listen to this. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and they are true. How awesome is that? He'll wipe away every tear. No more death, no more decay. You get a new body. Amen. Just some quick facts about about heaven. When you die, you are, in immediately, you are immediately in the presence of God. You are immediately in the presence of God. Is there, a, oh, there's a sort of holding pen? And no, no, no. The Bible says that we are immediately with God. See, the Bible says that Jesus talked to the man, the thief on the cross, and he said to him, huh, today, today, you will be with me in paradise. Come on, not one day, not in the years to come. No, no, no. When the first resurrection Out of the grave when Jesus rose again. The Old Testament believers all raised at the same time. Now at death, we go straight to God, straight into His presence, straight into glory in that moment. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from this body and now present with the Lord. We are going to have a new heavenly body. As I said before, 1 Corinthians 15.49, As we have borne the image of man of dust, we shall bear the image of the heavenly man. So good. 1 Corinthians 15, encourage you to read that as it talks about how the body and the spirit come together in the second coming. We are going to be people who are going to be able to communicate. We're going to be able to talk. We're going to be able to engage. We're going to be people who are going to feel emotions. We're going to feel joy and we're going to feel peace and we're going to feel love and we're going to feel, but it's going to be so much more than we've ever experienced in this moment. We're going to have heavenly understanding and be able to see what happens on earth. That's pretty awesome. We're gonna have a heavenly understanding. Come on, Hebrews 12:1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily strips us up. Let us run with endurance the race that has before us. Come on, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Come on, you're going to get there and you're going to realize that those who have gone before you, loved ones who have gone before you, are cheering you on. Come on, when it says that heaven throws a party at one person, come on, my grandma's going to be throwing a party. Come on, when my uncle gets saved, she's going to be throwing a party. Come on, these moments where there's a celebration, where there's a, a fulfillment of what God has promised for us. We're going to know people. We're going to like really know people. Now, not everything you read on the internet is good to read, Uh, but a book that was encouraged and and validated by Scripture was a book called 90 Minutes in Heaven by a guy called Don Piper. And I want to read you an extract out of this book. Basically, he clinically died for an hour and a half and then was brought back to life through prayer. But he says this, he says, As I try to explain about heaven, my words seem weak and inadequate. Because I have to use earthly terms to refer to unimaginable joy, excitement, warmth, and total happiness. Everyone continually embraced me, touched me, spoke to me, laughed, and praised God. This seemed to go on for a long time, but I didn't even tire of it. My father, one of 11 children, some of his brothers and sisters had as many as 13 children, When I was a kid, our family reunions were so huge, we re-rented an entire inner city park in Monticello, Arkansas, and we Pipers are affectionate with a lot of hugging and kissing whenever we come together. None of those family reunions, however, prepared me for the sublime gathering of saints I experienced at the gates of heaven. Those who gathered in Monticello were some of the same people waiting for me at the gates of heaven. Heaven was many things, but without a doubt was the greatest family reunion of all. Everything I had experienced was like a first-class buffet for the senses. I had never felt such powerful embrace or feasted my eyes on such beauty. Heavenly lights and textures defy earthly eyes or explanation. Warm, radiant light engulfed me as I looked around. I could hardly grasp the vivid, dazzling colours. Every hue and tone surpassed anything I had ever seen. With all the heightened awareness in my senses, I felt as like I had never seen, felt, or heard anything for real before. Never in my happiest moments had I felt so fully alive. Come on, I think we could get a little excited about the wonder of what God has created for everyone. The wonder whatever He has created for everyone come the wonder of what He's created for everyone. Not a selected few, not an elite club, but for everyone, for everyone. So we look at this and I was thinking of this and man, we get so much. We get so much out of a relationship with God. We get so much. Have you ever thought of what God gets out of it? For sake of time, I can't talk too much into it, but the Bible talks about how we live What we believe determines our salvation, but how we live with what we do with what we've got determines what's going to be in heaven for us. And I can't go into all the detail of that. You need to look it up. You need to read about it because it brings urgency and deliberateness to our everyday living, right? But we get so much out of it. Have you thought about what God gets out of this? What's His reward? He's already there, so it's not like He's going to get a new heaven. He already sees it all. What does he get out of it? His ultimate reward, everything he does this for, the only reason he is doing this, his greatest achievement out of all of this is that he would be with us (laughs) face-to-face, unrestricted, unrestrained, loving relationship with him forever and ever and ever. He doesn't get a bigger car. He doesn't get a mansion. He doesn't get to experience all this for the first time. No, this is the reality of his reward is relationship with you and I. That is his reward. That's everything he wants. That's all he desires is relationship with us. <laughs> See, the more we understand heaven, I think the more motivated we should be to get others there. The more we understand about hell, the more motivated we should be to be able to stop anybody and everybody from going See the thing is is that we aren't saved by works but what our works do will stand before our savior and I was thinking in light of this we need to live for eternity not when we get there we need to live for eternity now we need to live for eternity now come on don't wait for eternity to start live for eternity now come on ask yourselves think about the question come on Like, am I just living for now in the temporary or do I have a heavenly eternal perspective in the everyday life I live right now? I love what Leanne said in that highlights video. We need to stop being a self-serving, self-seeking group of people. She was not just talking to women. She was talking to me. Come on, it needs to stop being all about you. Stop seeking perfection in this lifetime. That's not where perfection is going to be found. Stop looking for success and to have everything, to dot every I and cross every t, and have everybody in the world say, wow, you're so successful. Jesus didn't live a successful life in the world's point of view. He died alone. (laughs) Many who followed turned his back on them. Many family despised him. It was not a successful life, but it was a truly missional life that was successful in the terms that because of his life, we all have the openness to receive eternal life. Are our lives living in a way that it opens other people's worlds to the reality, come on, of eternal life with God? Come on, if we live with the thought of eternity, then we should love in light of eternity. Put others first. Stop serving ourselves. Care for people, love people, feed people, help people, clothe people. Give of yourself for somebody else. We should witness in light of eternity. Come on, he made it his message, make it your message. Don't lose an opportunity, don't miss a moment, don't think someone's too far off. Nobody's too far off to know the wonder of Jesus and to have eternal hope as well. I was in a going to say cafe, but it's truth. it was McDonald's. I was at McDonald's. <laughs> I was at McDonald's with the kids on Friday and we were, I was talking with another mum who's a good friend. Uh, like Nadi and her get on really well but Nadi's in New Zealand and we were chatting away and then we drove off and Hope just goes oh does, um, does, does does she know God and I'm like well she's come to church with us a couple of times so she goes no no but does she know God I'm like well I don't know no, like, I don't know I can't yeah I don't know and uh, she goes well why didn't you ask her <laughs> oh to ask her to church I said oh, yeah I could have asked her I mean heaven and hell is pretty and uh I could have, yeah, I should have asked her. And she goes, no, no, i would not come to church. Why don't you ask her, does she know God? Like I'm like at Macca's and she's like, yeah. Come on, I, I, please, I, I'm not up here saying I'm a perfect guy. I get it right all the time. I find it awkward at times. How do you breach the conversation? As I was sitting in the surf on Friday, please have that up, please have it up heaven. Uh, as I was sitting there, sitting next to another surfer, and he's going, you know, breach the conversation. Breach the conversation. Yeah. It's so hard. But come on. I don't think we're going to get to heaven and go, oh, good thing I avoided those confrontational conversations. We're going to get there and go, why didn't I breach that sooner? Why didn't I just say, somebody, have you ever heard the word eternity? I've been thinking about that word. What do you reckon that word means? Because people all believe in something. Another embarrassing moment. I happen to be watching The Bachelor. Just once or twice. And he said, oh, you know, I've got such a connection with this person. I must have have known them in in my previous life. Come on, honey badger. Come on, man. But people are aware that there's something more. This all ends somewhere. We've got to carry this. We've got a forgiven light of eternity. Come on, the offence that maybe you have. It's not going to measure up in eternity. We're not going to think, oh, great, i held on to that for a few years. Seriously, in light of eternity, in light of his grace, man, we're going to go, why on earth did I let that rob relationship for so long? Live free in light of eternity. Come on, the hurt that's happened to you, just let it go. Like Pastor Paul said, what a great highlights, Man, preach a message. Just stop rubbing the wound. Let it go. Live healed in light of eternity. Come on, there might be sickness in your body, but understand he's already paid the price. Come on, the victory already been won for your healing. And whether you get it here or you get it in heaven, you're going to get it. So stop living a victim to the thing that doesn't work properly. Just get over it. Just keep living. Keep believing God. Come on, this is not our home. We are only temporary residents. Don't let the temporary try to take place of the eternal.